Um, and I think that's something I learned a lot too through it is that, you know, as Christians, we have such a great hope, but at the same time, it's okay to hate death. It's okay to, to not be okay with this because that's not, this isn't what God intended. Exactly. Yeah. And so to be okay, (laughs) hating death, um, but at the same time, recognizing our hope. And I think that kind of balance has been something that has been pretty constant for us. Welcome to this week's episode of the His Hill Podcast. My name is Kelly Darty, and I'm your host. Today we have with us uh, one of the staff wives. Her name is Brooklyn McCall. Brooklyn, was, I've known Brooklyn since she was uh, a, quite a, a young girl, in her, uh, maybe 12, 13 years old, and that her sister was, Genevieve was on staff with us for a number of years. So Brooklyn would come to visit, and eventually uh, she uh, she helped out on summer staff and, and became a student. And... Uh, and uh, now she is married to Michael McCall, one of Charlie's sons, and they they serve on staff together. Brooklyn, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you, um, Brooklyn. You know, we how old were you when you first came to His Hill? Well, Genevieve was I was ten when Genevieve came as a student, okay. and so I think I first visited when I was eleven, oh, which okay. is crazy. Um, and then came you know every year or so. Um, until I was 16 when I came as a summer staff. So I probably met you when I was 11 or 12, which is crazy. I actually remember that now. Yeah. And, and you and my girls were pen pals mm-hmm. for a while. Yeah. I've, I still have some of the letters they wrote me and they would, I remember I sent them a school picture of me and they wrote back and said, well, we're homeschooled. So we don't have school pictures. <laughs> here's a drawing I made. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's fun to think about the fact that we've known them since we were little, little girls. Yeah. Wow. That goes way back. Um, okay. And so you were, now you, you're from Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I grew up in Saskatchewan, Canada. Um, like I said, my sister was, um, a student, so she's the oldest and then there's four of us. And so I have another sister and then my brother and then myself. Okay, good. And I, I guess I need to be careful. I, I'm glossing over too much because I've known you for so long. <laughs> uh, but for the benefit of the listeners, tell us uh, a little bit about your family. What was it? What kind of a family did you grow up in? Yeah, so um, grew up the youngest child. I think I have a bit of the youngest child syndrome, but um, have lovely siblings that um, I love. And we had a good good relationship growing up. Um, my parents love the Lord and um, they raised us going to church and being involved. And um, that was just a big part of our life, a very natural, normal part of our lives. Um, I feel like my mom is a very intentional woman and she's very creative. And so she created a very lovely childhood for us. Um, we were public schooled, but my parents were very involved in our everyday lives. We got to go home for lunch, um, you know, those kinds of things. My dad owned restaurants growing up. And so even, you know, in his work, in his life, it was all very, we were all very involved and spent a lot of time together. And so, um, yeah, it was a, it was a very lovely childhood, which I don't take for granted. And I'm, you know, now having my own children look back and realize all that my parents did to create that environment for us and that intentional, you know, time together and, um, yeah, just connecting us to good things and good people. And I'm thankful for that. Mm. Yeah. The, the word intentional came to mind, mm-hmm. you know, cause I know your parents well and, and they, they, were they parented intentionally mm-hmm. yeah and do the same as grandparents yes, yeah for sure. yeah that's great and speaking of your parents i remember that they were 
they brought Genevieve to Bible school. Mm-hmm. And I remember th- your parents, and, a, and there was another set of parents. That was the first year that I remember parents actually coming and staying for the banquet, being there the next morning, getting to know people. Mm-hmm. And now, it, since that point, you know, I've noticed every year it's been, there's been a growing number of parents, but your parents were among the, the first to, to, to do that, yeah. Yeah, it seems like that's the, that's the norm now, but maybe not... Maybe not then yet. It wasn't wasn't always no, and I, I don't think it's because parents didn't want to be there. It's just that uh, you know times change and and priorities change and and also just travel. You know, uh, I, I know when I was a kid, you know, traveling was you know the the places we go now, uh, it just was not something that people did mm-hmm. then. So uh, so things change. So anyway, yeah, we've we've gotten to know your parents really well over the years. So tell us, um, when did you become a believer? So I um, gave my life to Christ when I was young, I think four or five. My older sister, AJ, um, wanted to pray with me when I wanted to make that decision. And so that's always been special in my mind. Um, And I think I always had a strong conscience of what was right and wrong. I didn't always, you know, um, live according to that. But I think I knew growing up um, what was right and wrong. And I wanted to please my parents and I wanted to please the Lord um, but obviously there's always that battle of, you know, flesh and um, and what we know God wants for us. And so, um, yeah, I loved going to church and being involved. And um, but I think there was always this pull of what what I want to do. And this can only go so far because if it's requiring something of me that I'm not willing to give up because I just kind of really like this or like doing this or it feels good, then I'll hold on to that. And so I did a lot of retreats and camps and summer programs and stuff. And looking back now, I see there wasn't um, a lot as far as discipleship and what it means to just have Christ as your life and to um, have a daily relationship with him. It was, you know, what what we hear all the time of the spiritual high and just um, feeling things a lot focused on feeling things. And so I think when I would leave those things and not feel a lot or feel things I didn't like or didn't think were right, um, I was just, just confused. And so um, I think there were a lot of resources for me there, but at the same time, I don't know that they were ones that just, yeah, instructed me on what, what the Christian life looks like as, as far as everyday living. And so I think when um, I kind of entered my high school years and started to be exposed to lots of different things and um, ways of thinking and ways of living, I was just confused on what um, what was right and wrong. Not necessarily what was right and wrong, but um, yeah, what, what I wanted versus what I knew was right. Um, and so, you know, I was the, I'd try really hard and do the right thing and then I'd fail and I'd be like, yeah, well, you know, I gave it my best shot. So I guess that doesn't really work. Um, or that's not my personality to be like that. Uh, I think I looked up to my oldest sister a lot and, um, she, she wasn't perfect, but to me she was, you know, and so I'm like, oh, that's just how she is. You know, I'm the youngest one that has more struggles or whatever insecurities and all these things. And so anyway, I think I just, it was a lot of trying hard, not working out being like, eh, I guess that's not for me. But then knowing in my heart, what was right and wrong and wanting that, but just not knowing, you know, how to get there. And so, um, my sister encouraged me to come strongly encouraged me to come Mm -hmm. to camp when I was 16 and help. 
um, much to my dismay, but it was where the Lord knew I needed to be. And that, that started to change a lot of things about just how I looked at my relationship with the Lord. How did, how did that summer impact you? I remember you looked a lot different. (laughs) Yes. People like to point that out. So yeah, I was just, I mean, it was the summer going into my senior year of high school. So just those formative years when you're trying to figure out, you know, who you are and what you're into and those kinds of things. And so at that point I, you know, had found this, uh, niche of, um, hardcore music and, and this kind of world that I felt, uh, secure in. And so, yes, when I came, I had to take out a few piercings in order to be accepted (laughs) to summer camp. (laughs) And so, yeah, I rolled up and I remember thinking it's going to be hot and lame. And I'd met some people before, but I just felt like I was so different than them and I was so different than my sister. And I was like, I'll just come for two weeks, you know, make her happy. And, I, you know, there's parts of me that were excited, but mostly just like, this will be kind of kind of lame. And then we'll we'll go back to my my world at home. And it was different than I expected. So how it impacted me. Um, ironically, I was placed on media because, you know, the, the whole photography thing fit with my fit with my um what I was into. And, uh, Michael McCall was also placed on media, not for the same reasons, but, um, I remember hearing that I was going to be teamed up with him. And I was like, I remember him. He, you know, I'd met him maybe once before. And all I remembered was braces and glasses and cargo shorts. And (laughs) then I met him and I think, you know, my, our Genevieve said, you're going to be paired up with him. And I remember meeting him again and thinking, oh, well, he doesn't, have some of those things anymore. <laughs> <laughs> a little different than what I remember. Maybe this won't be so bad. And so um, it's funny because I ended up staying, I think it was six weeks in the end. Um, he may have played a small part in it, but, and we joke about that, but I think there was so much more to it. I think I just, I met people. I sat in chapel, even though I was on summer staff and just heard a lot of things for the first time and not just heard it, but then saw people living it outside of chapel and with him too, like beyond the fact that, you know, I was a 16 year old that was kind of, kind of into him. I think I just saw the way he treated people and I saw, you know, he was willing to help anybody that needed help, not just the cute girl or not just his cool friend, but he just had eyes to see needs of others. And that was so different for me. And I knew talking to him, it was because of Jesus and same with just, you know, seeing people do life here. Just, I started to realize there's something more that I, not, not that there's something new, but just something Mm -hmm. that I haven't, I don't know about and I don't understand. And so, um, yeah, I ended up staying a lot of that summer and it changed, changed a lot of things for me going into my senior year of high school. How did it change things? I think I just started to question a lot of the things I was doing where before I just kind of did it. And so, uh, I mean, Michael challenged me in a lot of those things because we kept in contact and kept, um, talking via, guess it was like MSN and Mm -hmm. writing letters that senior year. And I think I just started to think through like, why do I believe what I believe? And what does scripture say about this? And that, that continued into my first year of Bible school, but I all of a sudden wanted to know, you know, what, what was true and what I believe based on scripture, not just because, you know, I hadn't thought about it, but also not just because Michael believed something and I wanted him to like me or my sister believe something and I wanted her approval, but just really like, what is, what does scripture say about this? Mm. I got to ask you, cause uh, talking about you as, uh, you know, how much you've, you've matured and changed over the years. I know you were really into boarding for a while. (laughs) When's the last time you've been on a skateboard? 
Oh, yeah. I used to longboard to work and stuff. I, it's been a while. Sometimes there's a student with a longboard outside the dining hall and there's this part of me. It's like, maybe, maybe I should just get on and do a loop just, just because, but I haven't. And so it's, it's been, it's been a long time. It would probably freak them out. <laughs> yeah. I'm holding my baby and doing a loop with my <laughs> longboard. <laughs> That's great. Okay. So you, you mentioned coming to Bible school. What year were you a student? So I was a first year, 2008, 2009, and then a second year, um, 2009, 2010. Okay. And what did the Lord do in your heart then? He did a lot. And so uh, Michael went off to Bonsehof in Germany. And so um, I was here. My sister was on staff. I had some friends from summer camp. And so I went into it really excited. And I feel like the Lord just um, grew in me. I was thinking about this the other day. I think one of the main things was just a love for Scripture. I think I'd never... Um, I read my Bible, but I never like loved reading it. And I think being in classes that were giving so much context to the stories and the, to the, to the word, it just made me hungry for it. And I hadn't experienced that before. Um, and I think just hearing these stories that I grew up hearing, but knowing now how they affect my life and why is this relevant to me now? I mean, I know you played a huge part in that in, in, in the Pentateuch and just, you know, going through creation and going through Noah and these stories that you're like, maybe growing up, you, your lesson is like, well, God is powerful, which is totally true. But how, you know, how can that translate into my life today and all the parallels and, you know, your famous quote of it's almost like one person wrote this, but seeing that how it's all woven together was just mind blowing for me. And I still, you know, when, when I'm doing Bible studies with my kids or reading on my own, it just still blows my mind how how it's all woven together and so bible school was crucial in that and just yeah a lot of the stories i'd heard before and um, a lot of them i hadn't because you know there's certain books that you just kind of gloss right. over yeah, <laughs> sure. but um, i think just just learning to love god's word because you're learning it in context and how how does this affect the way i live today okay what you know a couple times you've mentioned how uh you know, you've been challenged with what you were thinking. Why do I believe what I believe? And then also saying things that, you know, just coming, becoming aware of things you had not been aware of, things like that. What, what, what were some of these things? I mean, a lot of them were just like the, the big issues that we hear about today, whether it was, you know, alcohol or abortion or modesty, or just, you know, these things that come up all the time. And even from, from then, you know, my, my views have grown and evolved and changed as, as I've, you know, lived more life and just had more experiences and spent more time with different people. But I think, you know, I just, um, those were some of, some of the big ones and some of it changed completely. Some of it, I just became more firm and had, you know, scripture to back up what I believed instead of just like, this is what I've always been told. But there was a lot I had to stop and think through just why, why, why are we doing the things that we're doing? Is this, is this best? Is this pointing people to Jesus or is this just because this is just how I like it? Or, you know, a lot of it, probably the, the things that I watched and the things that I listened to, um, the words that I use, just, just lots of those things, um, you know, thinking through, is this good? Is this profitable? Is this true? Is this right? You know, and I, I still do that. I feel like that's my biggest gauge when girls come to me and ask, is this okay? Or is this okay with the students is, is it good? Is it right? Is it best? Is it, um, pointing people to Jesus? Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think a lot of those big, big topics I had to work through not that I figured it all out then, but just, um, the Lord starting to really work those, those things in my life. Was there a point 
where was it a, a slow transition or was there a point where you just there was you know all of a sudden realized you know my goodness Christ is my life not not just somebody I'm trying to be like not somebody that just gets me out of hell and takes me to heaven but but he's literally my life my breath mm-hmm. what, was there a point I don't think there was this one big thing that it was just mm-hmm. like boom it went on I think I think for me it was a lot of a, a slow a slow thing so I kind of heard heard bits of that at camp that summer and then I came back for Bible school and I'd heard those phrases from camp but then I think I just started to really understand what that actually meant and seeing people live it out around me so I don't think it was a one big moment Mm -hmm. I think it was just the Lord kind of planting seeds and slowly you know peeling back back these layers or whatever to just help me to see and I think that that for me at least was was a healthy way of it happening because I had had so many of those spiritual high moments and I remember at camp I was like I this is different than that I don't want this to just be like wow I heard this one awesome phrase and you know I'm gonna make my life about that and everything's gonna be better but just seeing that this isn't just like a once and done salvation is yes but the the everyday like mm-hmm. Christian life this isn't just a one time thing so I think a lot of it was just slow and gradual the Lord would bring things up in my mind of you know are you gonna give this to me and this is what it looks like to um, for life to be about me and not about you and it was a lot of little things and still is honestly right yeah you know it's, it, we think about you know that 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 moment of physical birth is not in and of itself life. It's it's you know you're being born into a life and then you're supposed to mature and grow in that and and so often we do the same thing with our our walk with the Lord we think that moment of salvation that's it you know that's you know so now I just hang in there and someday I'll be in heaven and but but it's we've entered we've been born again we've been brought into a new life and and there needs to be that you know maturing Paul was upset with the Corinthians because they you know in chapter three because they have not grown up they're still acting like mere men. And uh, and he's saying by now you ought to be much for, much further along, and so yeah, it, it, it's uh, it, that's a that, that's a good thing to bring up because you know we should be maturing in Christ, not not be, not maturing in our ability to be like Him, but maturing in His life, His mm-hmm. life in us. Um, okay, so you finished up Bible school, and you went home. What what happened? Well, I. I didn't go home. That was the problem. I stayed. I stayed to, well, I stayed for second year, which is great too. Just kind of a continuation of what um, the Lord had been teaching me in Bible school or in first year. And then um, I stayed as an intern for a semester, um, just helping in the kitchen in the office, which was great because I just didn't really know what was next. And then I ran into some border issues when I went home at Christmas that year, that third year, I guess. And Um, I had all sorts of plans to come back and then to go to CIU and all these things. And, um, it was a very, very firm, abrupt no to that. And so that's kind of a whole other long story, but yes, had a lot of immigration issues. They turned me around at the border, sent me back to Canada. So I couldn't even come back and get my stuff, um, and told me I was barred for a long, long time for yeah. entering the U.S. I remember the moment it happened. Yeah, because uh, we were on break here in the office, and your sister had just got the word, and she was beside herself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a problem. It became an issue that you had to deal with for uh, years, years, really. Yeah, yeah, it was very, very complicated. And, I mean, not just complicated practically, but emotionally. It was really 
a trying time because I felt like I knew where I was supposed to be. I felt like I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. And then it was just seemingly, you know, ripped away from me. And so it kind of moved into a season of waiting and questioning and, you know, looking back, I wish I could be like, I just trusted the Lord in those years and I waited on him, but I was really, um, anxious and I just wanted the next thing. I wanted this paperwork to be figured out so that, you know, Michael and I were still dating and in order for us to, you know, get married and do the next thing, we needed these papers. And so I was pretty unsettled and kind of back and forth and in jobs. And I just, I didn't want to commit to anything cause I was going to be out of here soon. And so, um, yeah, the Lord, the Lord was really working things in my heart when, when it came to contentment and waiting. And, um, but yeah, it was, it was a hard season. I think it was, um, it was a fall or I guess a winter of, um, Michael's first year at CIU when that happened. And then I went back for his graduation. The spring of his graduation was the next time I could go. So it was a long, a long period of long distance. So it was, um, it w- it was like three years. Mm-hmm. Well, know. he did three years at CIU, so it was like two and a half. Okay, two and a half years. And the only t- only way you guys could see each other is if he went up there. Yeah, yeah. So he could come up, which I mean, he was in college and didn't have a lot of money, and so um, he came for Christmas break sometimes and spring break sometimes. But it was yeah, there were some long chunks mm-hmm. of time where we didn't didn't get to see each other. Okay, so then let's let's talk about Michael now. You guys were dating and um, very much long distance, and and could only like physically see each other when he could get up there. Yeah, yeah. So what was that like during that time? Um, it was it was hard. He was a lot better at than I was. I feel like he. Um, I don't know if it's because he was at CIU and had the focus of college and stuff, or he was just more mature than me, which is probably a bit of both. But, um, yeah, it was, it was a hard time just because I felt like these things were so out of my control. And, um, again, now looking back, I'm like that, that's what I needed because, um, I think I struggled with and still do at times with just wanting things to go a certain way and having Mm -hmm. a plan. And I like things orderly and to just all work out. And so, um, it really rattled me when nothing I could do could, change this. You know, I, I submitted papers and I just had to wait. Mm. And I think a lot, you know, my high school years, I knew I could manipulate my way to get what I want or flirt my way out of something or, you know, whatever it was, but to just realize I just have to wait. And Michael was crucial in, in reminding me of that. And he, not that it wasn't hard for him, but he, he just had a different perspective of if the Lord has us together, we're going to be together and it will be okay. And I mean, he still says that to me in different ways, you know, Mm. today when I'm fretting over things, but just, he was a very steady, constant, you know, this, this is in the Lord's hands. And if we're going to be together, we're going to be together. And so it challenged me a lot again, to just think through, do I believe these things to be true that I learned in Bible school, Mm -hmm. you know, is because I was making it all about me and what I wanted and my plans and, panicking when it wasn't going the way I wanted. And so long distance for me was really good in, um, you know, learning to trust Michael, learning to communicate well, but also more than that, learning to trust the Lord and Mm. communicate with him and go to him with my, with my needs and my worries because Michael couldn't always be there. And so I needed, um, it, it forced me to go to Jesus first, which is what I needed. I think sometimes the Lord knows my heart. Well, he does know my heart and he knows that I need I need sometimes those big no's and those big weights in order for me to actually 
surrender and stop and go to him. Yeah. And, and this was a big no. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you're being, uh, you're, you're being very, not vague, but, but like you said, it was a long story and, and, uh, it was a hard time. I mean, this was a legal, this was a legal mess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it gives a little context to it, like they, when they stopped me, they, you know, questioned me in a room for hours. They went through my computer and my journal and, you know, really attacked me as far as like, you know, if you're a Christian, you know, aren't you not supposed to be lying and just saying things? They said that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh wow. Um, yeah. They questioned me on those things. Isn't one of your, I remember, isn't one of your Christian rules not to lie? You know, just these things that, um, really, really shook me. So yes, that it was, it was big. And, um, for a long time, it just, it caused a lot of yeah fear and anxiety because I felt like this, these people had control of my life, even though that wasn't true, but in mm-hmm. a lot of ways it felt like that. So no, I don't mean to sound, make it not sound like a big deal. I think just the Lord's done so much since then that I can look back now and be like, that, that was what in some ways needed to happen for me mm-hmm. to just slow down and stop trying to make everything work the way I wanted it to and plan everything out and just wait. Oh no, that's, that's awesome. You know, I, as you're talking and, and explaining what that time was like, it reminds me of uh, Romans 8, you know, 28 and 29. We know 28, you know, that's, that's the, that's the, that's the verse that everyone always shares with you when you're going through a hard time to encourage you. And you just want to slap them with it. You know, it's like, don't give me that now. But, but what I'm referring to is God causes all things to work together for good. And we go, well, how is this good? And then the other side of it, often we decide, oh, well, good, God's going to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, and when that doesn't happen, you know, we, we're a mess, mm-hmm. but we need to see it in the context because the next verse I believe tells us what his good is. And that's conforming us to the image of his son. Yeah. It's, it's bringing us to that point, like you were saying, where, you know, I need to trust him. I, mm-hmm. I need to be dependent upon him yeah. and, and not on myself. Yeah. And some of us, I think need those things more than others. And that's something that I've thought a lot about because kind of the next number of years um were a lot of not little things but things like like that that just caused me to stop and ask that and I felt like you know if I'm if I'm trusting him and if I'm doing the right things then why are these things happening but Mm. I think to realize there's a bigger picture going on and I've seen little glimpses of some of the whys behind some of those things that went on not not all of them but just seeing that I'm like, I think I need, need those things in my life to point me back to what, what this is all about and to have an eternal perspective and to realize, yeah, it's not just about living a comfortable life where nothing goes wrong and nothing is hard and everyone is healthy and everyone has, you know, comfortable means until we go on to, you know, the next part of eternity. Mm -hmm. Um, but to realize, you know, we all, I was thinking about this the other day. We all want, you know, the faith of Corey Ten Boom and Elizabeth Elliot and um, all these heroes of the faith, but we don't want to go through the things that they went through, you know, but to realize like that you look at every hero of the faith in the Bible, they went through massive Mm. hardships, like, you know, way beyond what you and I will probably experience in our lives. And we just look at their faith as like, wow, that's awesome how can I get that without, you know, all the other stuff. But I think the Lord's showing me that I need those, you know, whether it's a thorn in the flesh or whatever it is, whether it's, you know, a baby who doesn't sleep or a, you know, tricky border things or whatever to, to show me that 
I need him. And if I want to grow to have that faith of those, of those people that we read about and desire, it means going through hard things. Otherwise we don't, you know what, we don't need to trust him. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree with, you know, James, just the wording of James, consider it all joy when, not if you encounter various trials. Uh, and, and of course, we study that passage and find that the, the joy is not, it's not a sadistic thing. It's not where we're, you know, our joy is in the pain, but mm-hmm. it's in the fact that he's at work. Yeah. You know, he's with us. He doesn't leave it. So our, our joy is in Christ. Yeah. And I think I was a lot like, I, you know, why, I don't deserve this. Why me? But now to be like, wh- why would I think I'm beyond, you know, beyond that? Why would I think, do I think that, you know, Corey Ten Boom deserves those things, but surely I can't deserve, mm. deserve this. But just to realize that this is, this is part of life on this side of eternity is having those trials and those hardships that show us our need for him and our testimony to others and, you know, cause us to be able to come alongside others. And so, um, you know, not that I'm like, bring it on. I want all the, <laughs> all the hardships, please. Right. But just, I think I've been really, um, even recently thinking about that as, you know, I, I, I desire that faith and that, um, but I, I, I need those, those hardships, whether they're the little day-to-day things with my kids or sometimes those big things to help me to stop and not get too comfortable here, mm-hmm. you know, not get mm-hmm. too um, comfortable with my, my current situation that I don't long for something more and recognize my need for him. Right. Sonny Westbrook, uh, former director who we've had on the podcast, um, he told us once that, you know, as believers so often, we find our place, we find ourselves in a great place with Jesus. And we just tell him, Lord, this is wonderful. This is so great. Let's just stay here. And Sonny said, the Lord always says, no, I want you to have it all. So there's, we've got to go further. We've got to go deeper in yeah. this. And and that will involve, you know, the as the former teacher here, Doug Lanier used to say, that will involve peeling the next layer of onion off. Mm. And he said, you know, the, the more you peel that onion, Doug would say, the more you peel that onion that you find there's another layer. Hmm. And you keep pulling these onions off and you find that it's a very painful process. You know, peeling an onion is a painful process. You're just standing there crying. crying. And he said, you know what happens when you get to the middle of the onion? There's nothing left. Hmm. And he says, that, you know, I, I remember that illustration so, hmm. so, so much. And he says... You know that's what the Lord's doing with us. Yeah. He's taken us to the end of ourself. Like with, with um, with Abraham in Hebrews, it says it wasn't until he was as good as dead yeah. that God made him the father of a, of a multitude. Mm-hmm. And I think He's doing that with all of us. And so you know these trials, like you said, it's not like yeah, bring it on, yeah. but to but but he he's active with these things, and and he's using them for good. And the good is him. You know, it's not our good, it's his good. The good is Christ conforming us to his image. And so, you know, it's a, it's a good reminder. And we need to we need to thank the Lord that mm-hmm. he loves us so much that he will take us there. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so now you guys were, um, okay, you finally were able to cross the border again. Yes. And, uh, and, and you guys were still dating, you know, through all of this. Yeah. Um, so tell us what happened there. Yeah, so we, we got engaged before my paperwork got all figured out. So I was like, he must really love me. He may never (laughs) live in Texas again, which is a big thing for Texans. Um, so yeah, we got engaged, um, in, in the fall. And then in that, that following spring is when the papers came through that didn't allow me, you know, free pass to live in the U S but at least to travel and to start the process of, um, 
residency or whatever was next. And so, but at that point, you know, we had to plan a wedding and I couldn't yet, you know, live in the U S and he couldn't work in Canada without paperwork. And so the opportunity came up, um, to go to New Zealand to be with Dale and Patty up at the crossing on the South Island. They needed a cook. And Which by the way, was a torchbearer center. Yes. At that yes. It right? was a torchbearer center. It is closed now. Um, and so they needed a cook and I had been working at a bakery because I was stuck in Canada. And so the Lord worked that, that I had the experience that I needed practically to um, go there. And so we went, we got married in August, 2013. And then we left, I think like 10 days later to New Zealand um, to go be on staff there. And we knew it was just going to be for a year because they were, they were closing down, but just kind of needed some um, help and to just run the, run the Bible school for that last year. And what was that time like? It was wonderful. I mean, it, it was hard because it was like get married and move to the other side of the world quite literally. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the, it, it was wonderful, but I, I really had to learn that this was my new little family and, you know, I'm close with my mom and my sisters and my, just my family in general. And so to be on the other side of the world and have these time zone changes and, mm-hmm. um, that, and then a whole I, day ahead. Yes. Yeah. And, and then I got pregnant with Weston, like you know, five minutes after we got there. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you now that was, that was not, uh, again, according to your plan, no, right? No. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a that's a funny story too that Dale likes to tell about how you know Michael came to because they had so many staff changes and they just wanted some consistency for the last year and then Michael comes into his office and said you know that that I was pregnant and Dale goes no and he goes yes and you know they had this funny but they were so supportive and encouraging um, especially you know I was again super newly married um, on the other side of the world and was like happened um yeah and so they they were so so sweet to us and just came alongside us and booked us appointments you know we're in a different country I didn't know how things worked Mm -hmm. there and so um yeah it was good you know it wasn't I don't think anyone should get married not you know not that you can have plans of when you want to have kids but I think you know we knew that this was something that we wanted and it was good it was it was just not not according to our plan which we were kind of used to by by that point. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, I finished off the year as the cook. We had to come back a couple weeks early um, just for flying um, regulations right. and stuff because I was pretty pregnant. But yeah, was the was a pregnant cook. And um, we lived right in the house with the students. It was a big house and there were only nine students. So it was very much family kind of um, style at the meals and just in life in general. We had a bedroom and a bathroom, but we shared a bathroom wall with the girl students. So we only whispered in the bathroom. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was a neat year of just us kind of getting to be together and, um, you know, figure out what it looks like to have our own little family unit. Mm. So now you guys went back to Canada, right? Yes. Yeah. We had to go back to Canada. Um, and I had Weston there and applied for my paperwork to move to the States. Um, and that took almost a year. And so again, not what I had planned to live Mm. in my childhood bedroom with my new husband and my new baby. And, but again, 
my parents were so gracious and helpful. And now I look back, I'm like, that was awesome. You mm-hmm. know, we, we yeah. all lived together. Yeah, that is um, neat. Yeah, it was really neat. Um, I think for Michael, he was ready to provide and to, mm-hmm. you know, um, sure. work. It's not natural for him. You know him at all to not work. And he did all that he could to work while right. he was there helping my dad, helping in the yard, helping with Weston. Yeah, I can but, see that. He but wouldn't, he, yeah, like you said, he's not the type of person no, to just sit there. A year off for him is not which I appreciate about him. And so um, we were ready to move on to the next thing. And we um, ended up on staff in 2015, I guess, 2015. Yeah, um, because we left in 14. We yeah, just missed right each before. other. Yeah. I know. I remember, yeah, I remember being at the crossing when we, when y'all called us and said that you guys were moving on. I was like, we're, we're just coming though. Wait for us. <laughs> no. So yeah, I've been here since 2015. Okay, good. So now you're on staff here. Uh, for going on seven years now, yeah. what uh, what's it like being a a staff wife with children? Because you have three children now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, we had Weston in Canada, and then Ford was born in 2016. A couple years after we got here, and so I feel like every year has been different because I think back in those earlier years being here, and I think I was. You know, it, it was our first home because we lived at the crossing and then we lived at my parents. <clears throat> and so uh, it was our first time having our own home and just um, getting settled into our routine of what life looks like. Um, and um, so, yeah, I think it was I was just figuring things out. I'd never obviously been on staff as a staff wife before. And so I just, um, yeah, was was trying to get into a routine of what does this look like? Um, and then. Um, in 20, so that, yeah, Ford was born 2016. And then in 2019, um, I got pregnant with our third son. Um, and yeah, was excited to have, have three boys and a little, a little crew of boys. Um, and again, the Lord had other plans and we lost him, um, at 34 weeks, um, unexpectedly. And so that, you know, that whole year looked really different. And so I feel like, yeah, every, every year has looked really different on staff as far as my involvement, what it, you know, what it looks like to be here and to be a mom and to be a staff wife. It's just, it's changed a lot um, every year. Mm. If you're okay, can can we talk a little bit about that? You know, we had an episode with your, your brother-in-law and Mm -hmm. sister-in-law who've been through the same situation, both um, Nathan and Davina. Uh, But, for yourself, I mean, because that's not something that you just go, oh, well, because mm-hmm. I mean, you, you actually yeah. held your baby. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, what is the Lord, you know, I don't want you to have to go through the whole details of yeah. anything, but what what has the Lord done in your heart through all of that? Yeah. So I, I think, um, I mean, a lot of, a lot of what Nathan and Davina talked about resonated with us and we walk through a lot of that with them, you know, down to I was standing outside the room when, when Davina had, had Opal. And so Mm. at that point I was really pregnant with our son, had no foreseen issues. And so, um, yeah, we, we got to see that up close though. And then with our son, we lost him really abruptly with no, he had no medical issues. There was no, no warning. I was actually, I I was with Lauren the night before. I remember my daughter, Lauren, mm -hmm, yeah, yeah, your daughter, Lauren. She, you guys were visiting because it was Thanksgiving conference, and I remember her feeling him, feeling him and his hiccups and stuff the night before. Oh, wow. um, yeah, and so it was very, very abrupt. Um, the one of the nights during Thanksgiving conference, the the two Tuesday night, I think Monday night or Tuesday night, um, and so 
yeah, I mean, it's it's something we could talk about for a long time, so I don't mean to sound like, you know, gloss over all the details, but without without sharing details, I think anyone that's had kids can maybe understand a tiny glimpse of what what that might be like to yeah go through a pregnancy have you know this whole plan of what's going to happen and then it just once again kind of just being being gone like that and so yeah it was it was very abrupt and um it just obviously rocked our world I didn't even I didn't even think of it as an option of something happening Mm. I knew Davina had just gone through all that and I just, I didn't know how this could possibly be now happening again a month. It was a month after Opal, um, Opal was born. And so, yeah, I think, um, the, the Lord, the Lord was very, very present with Mm -hmm. us and through, through that, even just through the hospital stay, I remember just laying there being like, there, there's absolutely no way I can do this. How do I deliver this baby? How do I, you know, hand him over and leave the hospital how do I go home to my boys that are so excited about this brother how do I show Mm -hmm. up in the fish house with a with with a flat stomach after having a huge belly you know an hour ago how am I going to do this Mm. and I think the Lord just made it very clear that it was a one step we're going to do one step at a time and I'll carry you each step of the way and that really held us through mm. those next few days. And I mean, the, the last few years really is just, we're just going to do one step at a time and do the next thing and mm. I'll be with you. And I, you know, it, there's no part of it that was easy, but I just feel like the Lord's presence was so real in carrying us through those next few days and next few few months and, and still today with it. You know, it's interesting as you're telling your story, I'm, I'm thinking about the, the different trials the Lord has allowed you, you've spoken of, that the Lord has allowed you to, to go through. And I just wonder how much of that, because I'm trying to think, okay, what about that 16-year-old girl? If she had to experience something mm-hmm. this traumatic, how would she have handled it? Oh, yeah. And I mean, I, yeah. I don't know how, I don't know how people that don't know the Lord go yeah. through those things and come out the other side. I honestly don't know how. Mm. Yeah. And I can just, yeah, I agree. Uh, and I, I can just see how the Lord has been faithful throughout your life to, to bring you to that point to where you know, you know where you're you're laying in that bed saying you know okay, I trust the Lord for the next step. Yeah, yeah, and I mean that wasn't always pretty, and you right. know it wasn't it it it, it was hard. Nathan and Davina were crucial in walking mm. through that with us. She had just done it, and she was so gracious to to literally physically hold me through it because, wow. um, yeah, it just. I was so caught off guard, you know, I didn't know how to make these decisions medically or practically on all of a sudden, you know, I'm having to decide how I want to, how I want to labor and do I want this option or this option? And it just, I just wanted to go home. I just Mm. wanted to go home and be with my babies and I just wanted my son back, you know, I didn't want to make decisions. And so just the Lord being gracious in having her walk through that with us. Um, And a lot of other people in the years to, in, you know, the years since have, just come alongside us with their own stories, not oversharing their own stories, but just being able to walk through it with us. And so, um, yeah, there's no, there's no perfect ending to this story as far as, you know, it's not a bad breakup that you get over by any means, Mm -hmm. but, um, we have seen the Lord's graciousness, um, to us through it, you know, not giving us all the reasons why. Um, but like I said before, just, um, having these these big things that cause us to pause and to think on eternity and to have an eternal perspective with mm. our kids instead of just being so focused on this is what I want now. Not that I would wish this on anybody. 
Um, and I think that's something I learned a lot too through it is that, you know, as Christians, we have such a great hope, but at the same time, it's okay to hate death. It's mm. okay to, to not mm. be okay with this because that's not, this isn't what God intended. Exactly. He, yeah. And so to be okay, <laughs> hating death, um, but at the same time, recognizing our hope. And I think that kind of balance has been something that has been pretty constant for us. Mm. Well, thanks for sharing with that. Yeah. Um, now, you have had another baby. Yes. Yeah. So I got pregnant pretty quick after Hendrix with um, our next baby, Scarlett, who was born in 2020. Um, and that has been a, a, a blessing from the Lord. Not that she's replaced it and it's like you know replaced him and you know now everything's all good because we have this sweet baby girl no I mean her pregnancy was very difficult for me um just the anxiety and stress of Mm. like this could happen again and I yeah and I think I was made very clear that like these little blessings are in the Lord's hands and we live in a fallen world and sometimes things don't go according to plan and will I be like, will I be okay if the Lord says no? And that was really hard to wrestle through and, you know, balancing our kids and them being excited for another baby. That was one of the biggest things for me is what if, like, how am I going to explain this to Weston? But even in that, you know, I think Davina talked about it a bit. The childlike faith of the little ones is so sweet. And there were so many times that, you know, Weston would pray things or say things that I knew was just the Lord's um, reminder to me that he's with us in this. And even even when I was at the hospital in labor with Scarlett, Shay Wolgamut mm-hmm. was over having breakfast with them and they knew that mommy was at the hospital. And she told me later that Weston, when they were eating breakfast, they prayed and he said, you know, I, I really hope that this baby will come home healthy. But even if she doesn't, I know, I know it will be okay. Mm. And, you know, as a six-year-old saying that, yeah. um, it's just, so I think the, the things that the boys have gone through and the conversations we've had to had has grown their little faith, especially Weston. Ford was pretty little, but Weston, especially he has a sensitivity and, and just a, a softness about him, especially when it comes to things like that, that I don't think he would have if he hadn't gone through those things. Oh, so, wow. yeah. So Scarlett is great. She's almost two and she has, and she's the only She's she's the, on the McCall side. She's the only girl, right? On on this side of heaven, yes, yes. yeah, and so um, yeah, which is is neat. But um, I honestly am just thankful to have a healthy baby. Um, and so, um, yeah, she has been a joy to our family. Very very sweet to see you know the boys interact with the little girl and just has brought um, a joy to our family. Yeah, so. they're they're pretty pretty sweet. Yes, brothers. They yeah. are very very sweet yeah. with her. Yeah, they do well. Okay, so now what's it like? You're on staff, you're raising kids. Yeah. Um, you're you're uh, you know, have a discipleship group, mm-hmm. so you're you're working with the students at the same time and you're homeschooling. Yes. Yeah. So there's a lot going on. <laughs> like what's what's that like? Yeah, I mean, like I said, every year is a little bit different, um, depending on the age of my kids and stuff, but um I think every year I'm realizing more and more my need for Jesus. I was just telling my D group girls this on Friday because we started a new a new group of girls in my D group and, you know, just going through my testimony and realizing it's just an extension of the same thing. You know, I think I had a, a mentality for a long time that, you know, once I'm settled in my home and once I have kids and a husband, then I'll feel, you know, like I have it all together mm-hmm. and I can just enjoy this. Well, I'm like, no, it's just it's an extension of realizing our need for him. And so 
um, you know, it's, it's different doing life so closely with so many people, you know, you kind of always are being watched and, you know, when you're dealing with your kids, maybe having a hard moment in the dining hall or, you know, you have D group and Scarlett was literally just jumping on the couch, screaming mama, as I'm like trying to tell my testimony and I'm like, <laughs> and all these girls like, we want to be in your D group because we want to have kids one day. And I'm like, Oh Lord, I pray that they <laughs> still want to come back. No, but I think it's just, it's been humbling. I think that's the biggest thing for me to see. This is, this is doing life with them. And I pray that they see my need for Jesus and my kids see my need for Jesus and that, there's no arrival point with these things, but it's just a continuation of the things literally that I was learning in Bible school that this isn't about me. Mm. And, um, I just, yeah. And so, um, you know, practically, yes, I have a D group, we have home fellowship, all that, but really it's just doing, doing life with the students and me humbling myself, honestly enough to allow the students in and see those, those hard moments, you know, the year right. we lost Hendrix, they, I still had a D group and I still had to show, you know, I went to meals and had to be there. And I think, I think it was humbling for me to be like, it, it's okay for them to see that we're not these robotic staff that go home, you know, and plug in until the next day when we show up again at, at a meal or whatever, but we're, we're real people who need Jesus and, um, you know, haven't arrived yet. And so I think that that's something I've been learning to just, to just allow them to come alongside us and do life with us and see this, this is what it's like in our family to have, to have kids and to, um, yeah, just to, to do life with little ones. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, and then homeschooling is a whole whole other thing that I didn't ever expect that would be part of my life. So how did that happen? Um, it's funny because somebody asked me like how much Michael and I talked about that before we got married, and he was very cautious in talking about too much, especially before we were engaged when it came to kids and what life would look like for us, which I appreciate a lot. Um, so obviously I was public schooled, he was homeschooled, and so I think I was like, well, I don't know, we'll do one of the two. And, you know, beyond that, we didn't really talk about a lot. We knew we wanted probably more than one kid and less than 10 and, you know, <laughs> you know, the rest will fall into place. And so it really wasn't something I thought much about until Weston kind of got closer to that age. And I'm thankful that Michael never, I think he had stronger opinions than I thought, but he never, you know, voiced that sooner than he needed to. And just something we, we talked about together. And, um, I think the Lord was very gracious in, helping us to become more and more like-minded as we, you know, dated longer and got married. And if we had tried to figure those things out when we were 17, we would have never come to the same yeah. conclusion, but we've just grown to be very like-minded. And so, um, at the time we couldn't afford private school and I didn't want to do public school. So I was like, I guess we'll homeschool. And that was kind of it. Um, but since then the Lord has just shown me so many wonderful things about mm. it that now, I, I advocate for it strongly to most moms that I talk okay. to. So good. Yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, it was the same thing for us. It mm -hmm. wasn't, it wasn't on the radar really. And, uh, and when we started it, I, I started to see, wow, th 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 this is incredible. You know, mm -hmm. the education that my girls are getting far exceeds what I had. Yeah. And, uh, it's, and to see, the, the benefits of them being with their their mom like yeah. that and, and the input that she would have throughout the day. Yeah. Um, yeah. That and even being with each other, I think I've realized that if, if, if they were in public school, they wouldn't be, the boys wouldn't be together or with Scarlett interacting right. and learning right. from each other. And, you know, there's, it's so much more life learning than I think that I ever understood. I th think I thought of school as, you know, sitting at a desk and doing some workbooks, but 
having my eyes open to this world of yeah life learning where we're you know we do our table work but then we go to the dining hall and it's an extension of our school when Mm -hmm. we're you know helping the little ones get their food and when we're counting out how many pieces of you know tortilla chips are appropriate to take you know just the the life learning together um and yeah just being able to 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 be with them I just love I love being with them it doesn't mean it's every day is easy but um I just I'm thankful to just be able to do life with them and and Patty Up was a big person too I I was going to say that in um just teaching me about what what homeschool could look like and just um the idea of being able to present your kids with a biblical worldview in their first grade math lessons, you know, seeing how God holds things together and that God is a God of order. And we see that in numbers and, you know, just how, how it's all woven together Mm. was just really, really um, appealing to me. And so um, I think I said this to you the other day, but I, you know, when I'm talking to moms about school and school options, I would just encourage them to to pray about what the lord has for them and their family and not get discouraged by i couldn't do that or that's Mm. not me or i didn't grow up like that because i i didn't and um but i think if our mindset is like what what does the lord have for me and my family and what is he calling me to um rather than just like is this appealing is this something that i would enjoy is this you know because none of us are capable um and but if he calls you to it, he'll give you the grace to do it. Um, and so I've seen that because it, yeah, it's, it was very out of my comfort zone when I started and it still is. I have some wonderful dear friends that I do it alongside and I feel very um, unintelligent sometimes when, mm. you know, we're doing these things together and I'm like, I, you know, I, I'm not, I, I don't know about these things. You know, I'm learning so much alongside them, but knowing the Lord's called us to do this and he's providing the grace that we need Um, in order to do it well and that's just been really really neat to see okay well broken thanks for spending time with me i I appreciate it and uh, just you know it's it's neat to just just to hear it from you you know to sit down and have it because we i know a lot of these things and we talk about it in in passing but to be able to just sit down and talk through this has been encouraging for me just to see and to be reminded you know i knew you when you were 11 and to see what the lord's Mm -hmm. done in your heart and how you know jesus has shown himself to be more than just a ticket to heaven but to be your life in every situation you know when the good and the bad and and his faithfulness so thanks for thanks for being here and doing this thanks for asking me Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the His Hill Podcast. You've been listening to our host, Kelly Doherty, along with Brooklyn McCall. We hope that you've been encouraged through hearing Brooklyn's testimony and how God is there for us to be our comfort and our joy through the hills and valleys of life. Again, thank you so much for tuning in with us this week to another episode of the His Hill Podcast. Remember to keep your eyes fixed on Christ alumni. I'm Lizzie and we'll see you next week.